I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Does Monday at the office feel like a storm? Not with Microsoft Copilot. That feeling when Copilot gets everyone up to speed instantly? It's sunny again. When Copilot simplifies complex data so your teams can act, that sun's shining on a beach. And when Copilot uncovers hidden insights, you're on that beach with your people and you find buried treasure. That's Microsoft Copilot. Learn more at Microsoft.com slash AI for all. Introducing Royal Caribbean's newest ship, Icon of the Seas, the ultimate family vacation. The ultimate six slides, eight neighborhoods, zero compromise vacation. The ultimate never done that, can't wait to do it vacation. The ultimate chillin' by a different pool every day of the week vacation. This is the icon of vacations. Icon of the seas, arriving in 2024. Book today. Come seek the Royal Caribbean. Ships Registry, Bahamas. Welcome back to A Pod of Their Own. This is episode 154 of A Pod of Their Own. I am Allison McCaig, and I am joined this week by my lovely co-host, Linda Surovich. Hello, Linda. Hey, Allison. Maggie Wiggin is on vacation this week, so it's just a two-woman pod this week. Um, you may know you may notice that we are still SB Nation, despite the fact that we noted that on March 1st we would be no longer SB Nation. Um, that changeover is still happening um but the uh the launch of the new independent podcasting network is slightly delayed um SB Nation Vox we needed a little bit more time collectively to get our act together and so um we hope to be launched by opening day that is the goal um either way it'll it'll probably happen even if it doesn't happen on opening day might happen early april but it's soon um it's just a little bit delayed from what we originally thought um we will continue to provide updates as they are available uh watch our social media we will say on the podcast the website you will be able to find us at all that good stuff we will have all that information for you we promise we promise um it's just a few weeks delayed from our, our original plan but we will still have a new website. All of that good stuff will be coming your way soon, hopefully by opening day. Keep your fingers crossed. <laughs> um, <laughs> but in the meantime, um, spring training is really in full swing now. We've got spring training games happening. It's not just grainy video of pitchers and catchers throwing. <laughs> um, 
it the is actual photos. Game. Yeah, yeah, the <laughs> the granny cell phone photos. We do have actual uh games that have happened. Um uh they've been relatively the games themselves have been relatively uneventful. Um prospects have really shined. The the Mets young guys have really shined. Um Ronnie Mauricio, Brett Beatty, and Mark Vientos have all had fantastic springs so far, highlight real worthy home runs like me- tape measure shots and stuff like that which is good to see um i mean i said on this very show not too long ago that i think of the like guys on the fringes the mets young guys on the fringes it's actually brett Beatty that has the best chance of making the roster not francisco alvarez and i stand by that i think he might make the opening day roster i mean he has a legit shot i mean they had um, they said it was for the WBC, but I don't know if I quite believe them, but they had Escobar playing left field. So if that kind of gives you a hint how they're feeling, I think that was it. Yeah. I mean, I think if Brett Beatty can really hit and he's a good hitter, he should be the third baseman and Eduardo Escobar should be Ben Zobrist. Yes. Um. That's what it should be, and he sh- and and Escobar should be the platoon DH to Daniel Vogelbach and play the field sometimes in various. Hopefully, not corner outfield. That would probably not go well. But um, only in an emergency. But you know, third some third base, maybe some second base sometimes. Allow Jeff McNeil shift to the outfield if needed to give one of the outfielders a rest. Like. That would be a huge, a huge advantage to this baseball team. I mean, we talked about like when the Mets were going to sign Carlos Correa, what a huge boost that was to have Eduardo Escobar shift to this role rather than being the everyday third baseman. And that's still possible now. Um, and I think it's even likely. I don't know. Like, you can do a lot worse than guy. Eduardo Escobar is your depth guy. Exactly. Exactly. I think that would put the Mets in a very good position. I think I think if Brett Beatty continues to hit like he's hitting, I mean, he's had some miscues in the field. He has. He had a nice play today, apparently. He did. The arm is certainly, the arm is not the issue. Yeah. Um, the arm is has never been the issue with Brett Beatty. Um, it's, it's, the, it's the reaction time, the adjustment to, you know, uh, major league pace um, at the hot corner. It's it's always been that he just has, doesn't have very good hands, quite frankly. But if he can just even be like an OK third baseman, I I mean, it's worth noting that I, I think like by the eye test, Eduardo Escobar was mostly fine at third base last year. But by the actual defensive metrics, no matter what your chosen metric is, Eduardo Escobar was not a good third baseman last year. He's negative in every defensive metric you you can look at. Um, Although without the shift now, too, does that change things? Good question. I don't know. Um, But I think Brett Beatty has a very good chance of making this ball club. And if he even if he's not the everyday third baseman, I think he has a good shot of making the team playing at least some third base, if not everyday third base. And it would be an upgrade. And I don't know, like maybe Darren Ruff is still around, but (laughs) He, he went hasn't over played three with a, with two strikeouts today. The plate. Oh, so he did play today. Form. Yes, he's, he's in midseason back. form. Okay, I didn't realize that he was back in games yet. 
Um, today was his first. Yeah, today was his first game. Okay. Yeah, because Darren Ruff's spring was slightly delayed by um, he was he was dealing with some soreness in his wrist. Um, he got a cortisone shot, but hopefully he'll be ready for opening day. Um, but we'll see what his role is <laughs> uh, at that point. Um, left out. Yeah. Left bench. We'll see. Right <laughs> we'll see. Um, I think it's unlikely that, you know, obviously Ronnie Mauricio and Mark Vientos both also having fantastic springs, very unlikely either of them will make the team, or at least it's like a lot harder to see a path for either of them without someone getting injured. Um, so they will hopefully continue to provide or continue to develop in AAA and provide good depth for the Mets. Um, and can provide good trade beat for Otani at the deadline. Mm-hmm. 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 Indeed. <laughs> Indeed. Um, so other notes, uh, speaking of delayed spring training, um, other besides Darren Ruff, other guys who were slightly delayed were Starling Marte, who recovered, who's recovering from uh, surgery on both sides of his groin, apparently. Oh. Um and so he should appear in games this week. That was what the Mets said. Um, and the same thing with Brandon Nimmo, um, who is fine, healthy, just ramping up uh, more slowly. Brandon Nimmo was a guy. Um, also, Mark Vientos was a guy, too, who who both uh, were planning on participating in the World Baseball Classic. Nimmo for Team Italy and Vientos for Team Nicaragua and ultimately decided not to. Nimmo, because I think he just wants to he just wants to ra- he just wants to ramp up slowly, make sure he's ready to go healthy. Um, and Vientos, I think, just because he probably wants to showcase his abilities to the Mets a little more since he's one of those guys that's on the cusp. Um, so uh, that's the situation. So other than Womp Womp, Jose Quintana, uh, the Mets are pretty healthy. Um, but unfortunately, How does this even happen? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, unfortunately, Jose Quintana left his most recent appearance with side tightness. Um, when you hear side tightness, it's never good. We experienced that with Jacob Degrom last year. Um, and Scherzer. And Scherzer. Usually, it points to some sort of oblique issue. In in Degrom's case, it was that scapula stress fracture. Quintana has a stress fracture also, but it's in his rib, which is how? very strange. I don't understand how. I don't get it either. Um, I mean, pitching is just like repeatedly like battering your body over and over and it can cause really weird injuries. Um, I mean, like pitchers get oblique issues all the time and like obliques are basically like the muscles in between or like on the side of your ribs, like they're on your side or in between your ribs. So like, I guess it's just like, I don't know, like repeatedly stressing that area and it causes a little crack in the bone. I don't know. Uh I'm a biologist, but I'm not a doctor, so <laughs> I don't I don't exactly know what's going on. Um, I don't the know. The bone is connected to the thigh bone. Yeah, exactly, exactly. <laughs> That's all I know. The oblique is connected to the rib bone is the best, like, it's my <laughs> professional medical opinion. Um, so he has, obviously, he, sad part is, is he was supposed to participate in the World Baseball Classic and has withdrawn. Um and we don't know exactly what his timetable is. I don't know if I don't think the Mets have said anything about no, his flight got canceled to New York today. So he was unable to get further in imaging. <laughs> Very cool. Uh, good. 
Um, so his timetable is unclear at this point. Um, that's David Peterson's music, I suppose. <laughs> or Jelly Lucchese. I, I don't think I think that like I think that Lucchese is prioritized for like swingman role rather yeah, I than think he's the Trevor Williams, I think. This yeah. Year. I think that that is more likely. I think he has a path to make the roster, but his path to make the roster is better for that than it is for the sixth starter of which Peterson and McGill, I think are both ahead of him in that regard. As much as I don't want to admit it. (laughs) Churv noises. I know sad churv noises. Um, but David Peterson will probably be the guy is my best guess um, if Quintana is not ready uh, for opening day, which is, you know, fine. And it, it, the Mets have the Mets have sufficient depth to weather an injury or two. Obviously, last year got a little nuts uh, and we're hoping that it will be that nuts again. Um, so like something like this is like, you know, not the end of the world, um, but, you know, it's. It's already beginning, as they say. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, we, they also dodged a bullet with Peterson, too. Mm. Yes. Um, Peterson uh, took a comebacker off his foot. Um, but x-rays were x-rays were actually inconclusive. But then he got a CT scan, which showed that he's just bruised and no bones are broken. So that's good. He should be fine. Um, he might not, like, make his next scheduled spring outing but he he just needs like a few days um in theory and should be okay um so that's good um you know uh Kodai Sanga and Justin Verlander both made their spring debuts um the ghost fork was immaculate and inspired many a pitching ninja beyond legend the ghost lives yeah like the ghost is already Ghost is already internet famous and it, I love it so much. I'm so excited too. for Kodai Sanga. I, I think he's going to be really good. I'm psyched. Um, well, and if, uh, somebody tweeted him coming out to the Ghostbusters theme. Like, now I need this. You put it in oh my man, head. That would be so good. Wouldn't someone, it? Someone tell him. Yeah, it's in my head. I need this now and I'll be disappointed if it doesn't happen. Yeah, Kodai but Sanga he seems like. He seems like the type that would do it. I mean, from what little I've seen of him, he seems to have, like, a fun personality that's, like, you know, in, in, like, into fun, like, and interacting with the fans. Like, he posted LFGM today, so he's learning. So I think if somebody tells him, come out to Ghostbusters, there is a chance he would agree. I'm very much enjoying the Kodai Sanga vibes. Me too. Did you see the ghost fork on his glove? Yes, yes, so fun. I love that so much. <laughs> I love it so much. It's so awesome. <laughs> uh, it's so cool. Um, so yeah, but I I want to get on my my pitch clock soapbox. I promise not to do this too much because I know I'm in the minority and hating the pitch clock. I know that most people like it, or I don't know if it's most people. It feels like most people, at least in my corner of the baseball internet, like the pitch clock, and I don't want to like spend all this time like crapping all over it but it's worth noting that the pitch clock made Kodai Sanga sad and therefore I will I will continue to assert that it is bad (laughs) I will fight you mom Rob Manfred if you make Kodai Sanga sad if you make Kodai Sanga sad you've made an enemy out of this podcast (laughs) yes I'm just saying unacceptable you have crossed the line unacceptable behavior um (laughs) 
Sanga had said about the pitch clock uh, through an interpreter, he said, obviously they have a very good lineup. And before I got there, I was very excited to face those guys. But once I was up there, my mind was filled with the pitch clock and I couldn't enjoy it as much as I wanted to see. It's distracting. Yeah, It's messing with their heads. I mean, I'm sure that people will get used to it, but now it's just like, it just feels like instead of watching the game, you're watching the clock the whole time. And I hate that. Well, and you have the other opposite end, Scherzer, the psycho who wants Oh, my God. Like, I get, like, again, like, it's one of those things where it's like when it's the guy on your team doing that, like, it's funny. But if I was the opposition, I would just be so, like, frustrated by that. And, like, he got too freaking cute. He got too cute with it. And he erased an inning and what would have been an inning ending double play. And then the Nationals scored eight runs that inning. See, I don't mind it because it's spring. Let him figure out what he needs to do. So that way when the like, because that was just a a brain fart or whatever. It wasn't his pitching that was bad. He was seeing what he could get away with. Yeah. So I'm okay with that in spring. So that way if he uses it to his advantage, like if he works that out now and it becomes an advantage in the regular season, then fine. Mess with them all you want in spring. I don't care. Yeah, sure. But if he pulls this stunt during the regular season and it costs them a game, I'm going to be really pissed. Yeah. <laughs> yes. I'm going to be really pissed. <laughs> and like, I don't know. I- he was also saying the. Uh, that the umpire didn't really know, like the, the there was some miscommunication between him and the umpire. So it seems like the umpires are still working out what is set and what isn't. Yeah. So they I think that was also part out. of the problem, huh? They better figure all this out. Yeah, because that happened. I think in another game, it was Hosmer. Again, yes. he did thought he was set or didn't think he was set, but then somebody else thought he was set. And so now you have all these other stupid things being introduced into the game. And that's not baseball. It's annoying. It makes me so mad. Like, yeah. So I'm like, I get it's still spring. And I get the kinks need to be worked out. And maybe it'll be fine when the season starts. But right now it's annoying. The first time that a game, and it doesn't even have to be a Mets game, like any game ends on a pitch clock violation i'm gonna be ready to riot (laughs) well somebody else pointed out i think it was the mets crowd started counting down the clock like they do in basketball they do in basketball with the shot clock like they start saying five Five. four three when when it's like at 10 seconds yeah Yeah. so i don't know like will crowds start doing that oh yeah they will and it's gonna be really annoying it's gonna be so annoying yeah I just I, I I hate it. I hate it so much. And I, I like, you know, people have been saying over and over that it's having the intended effect. The games are shorter. All the spring games have been like really short. And, you know, I guess if that's what you want, then fine. But the, that never bothered me. I never oh, wow. had a problem with the length of the games. I know. And people keep saying, well, the game used to be like this and, you know, 1970 and i'm like yeah i wasn't alive (laughs) (laughs) like i don't care about the what the aesthetics of baseball used to be in 1970 like that's i don't hold a nostalgia for that because i can't so and are you gonna like maybe for other teams 
but I pay a lot of money to go to Mets games. Are you going to devalue my ticket now? Because I'm pay- I'm getting less baseball, but my yeah. ticket costs the same. I am not about to miss three innings, like going to the bathroom. No, that's not a thing I would enjoy. Like now, the con- I mean, the concession when when a game is packed, which the Mets are going to be good this year, you know, God willing. And so the the games are going to be crowded. I hope uh-huh. that will be good if they are. And the concession lines are going to be really long. What uh-huh. if I want to go get a beer? I'm going to miss like three innings. Are they going to open the gates sooner so that way you won't have longer lines once the game starts? No. No. So what do I do if I want a hot dog? They're going to lose concession uh, sales on this. They are. Well, apparently the, they said the, they tested it out in the miners and the miners said that people leave by the seventh inning anyway. So they're really not losing money Ugh. because the people who leave early to beat the crowds balanced everything out i guess i don't know Uh, i never leave games early i never leave games early either i just i enjoy the leisurely pace of baseball it is a game that is event-based and the progression of the game is determined by events not by time and i enjoy the fact that i can like settle into the cadence of the game kick back with my beer chat with my friends between pitches while I'm watching the game and like it just feels like that's all been taken away now and it's just like we need constant action constant go 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 and I'm like what's the rush like I don't I don't get it I don't yeah, get like it. you go to a game and you wait for it to be over yeah like what I don't understand the point <laughs> I like I don't I just don't understand the mentality of like rushing through our entertainment. I, I I made a comparison that made some people mad when I tweeted about it, but some people like agreed with it. Um, but to me, it's the same people who listen to their podcasts on 1.5 X speed or like their <laughs> audiobooks. Like it's yeah. those same people who want this pitch clock. It feels like fast forward baseball. It feels yeah. like you're just like hitting the like you're hitting the like 1.5 X speed. Thing and you're watching baseball on 1.5x speed. That's what it looks like to me. I watch, I, I mean, I've watched these spring training games and they're just like, I I like look down and like at my snack or my lunch and I look up and like the half inning is over. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, what? I think Gary talked about this too, about how you're not getting less baseball. You're getting, you're actually getting more baseball and you're getting less of what happens in between baseball. That's yes. the argument for it. Sure. <laughs> I get I I guess. I just I don't I didn't I didn't see it as a problem that needed to be fixed, I no. guess. And, and then- I just you're not going to you're not going to convince me that this was like the data doesn't lie. It's effective when it comes to shortening the game if that's the goal and that is Rob Manfred's goal. So by that metric it's successful. But the ultimate success metric is why are you trying to make the game shorter to attract new fans? That's what that's the ultimate end game here. And so until you show me the hordes of people who used to complain that baseball is boring, that suddenly think it's exciting because you introduced the pitch clock and now the game is 20 minutes shorter, then I'll get on board. I guess, because then you you can really say that you were successful and the whole point was to attract new people to the game and you did that then even though it's not my preferred aesthetic, 
for the sake of like the success of the game and the longevity of the game, I can get on board with it. But until you show me those people, point me to the fans you converted. Until you point me to those people, I'm not going to be convinced by this. Mm-hmm. I don't think anyone who thinks baseball is boring now is going to think it's exciting suddenly because of this. And those of us who enjoy baseball as it is, you've messed with like my enjoyment of the game. I enjoy- I have enjoyed these spring games significantly less. And are the people who thought baseball was boring, are they even going to notice a difference? I don't think so. If they all of a sudden tune into a game this year, they're not going to notice a difference. I don't think they're going to notice. I think fans, some fans will. I Like, there are people, there are fan, existing fans who think it's an improvement, and I think they notice the difference, and I believe them, and that's fine. That's just the difference of opinion that they and I have. But those people and us, like, the change is not going to stop us from it's not going to stop me from watching baseball even though i'm going to yell about it on my podcast it's not going to stop me from watching baseball nor did it attract these people who i'm debating with about the pitch clock who think it's an improvement they were existing baseball fans before i don't think this is creating new fans no and but then what's the point of the the Manfred man, wasn't that to speed up games too? Oh God, that's even worse than the pitch clock. That will always be my least favorite change because that just makes it like fundamentally like not baseball anymore. But so dumb. Don't get me started on that. Um, Yeah. So, okay. Sorry. That was, that. I promise again, I'll try to limit my soapboxing about the pitch clock, but I really hate it. It makes me so mad. <laughs> Old man yells at cloud. Yeah. I'm being really cranky about this and I'm sorry. <laughs> Like, and I don't just mean cranky, like grumpy. I mean, like I'm being a crank and I'm sorry. Um, I will try to limit my crankiness to a reasonable length per podcast. Sorry. Um, to shift gears to something else that's making me cranky, but I won't spend too much time on this. Um, Khalil Lee failed to show up in court this week regarding the criminal charges related to his domestic incident last year. So just FYI about that. He just didn't show up. The judge was like, I don't care that he's a Syracuse Met, which was funny. (laughs) (laughs) I enjoyed that quote a lot. And if you tell your team, I have to go to court, they'll probably make you go to court. You can miss spring training for that. Yeah. In theory, if you have a court date, that should be like an excused absence. Yeah, you would think. So, yeah, I guess more on that as it develops. There's no really other story here. I don't know if there's like a new court date or like what is going to happen with this. But, yeah, he just didn't show up. So we'll see what happens there. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you will hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not and, uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. 
the only other like Mets adjacent news uh, that I think is relevant is that um, since the last time we recorded, Manny Machado signed a mega extension with the Padres. Um, so he's basically a Padre for life now. Um, I forget the exact terms. I can click on the literal hyperlink I put in the show notes and find out. Uh, 11 years. Um, what's the exact? 11 years, 350 million. So he's just a Padre forever now. And there's like no opt outs. And I think there's a no trade and all that stuff. So, you know, we went from he's probably going to opt out because the Padres didn't make his like arbitrary deadline to, oh, <laughs> that was all like kind of posturing to get them to meet his number. And I guess they met his number. Um, this is tangentially related to the Mets because now he won't be available in the offseason for the Mets. So Shohei Otani can be available instead. Sure, but this was one of the reasons why the Mets said they didn't sign Correa. Or at least, okay, there was a report that said that it was discussed. The potential availability, that's the exact like way of phrasing it. It's not that they didn't sign Correa because of Machado. That's not, that's an exaggeration. The exact reporting was that the potential availability of Manny Machado next season was discussed during the final stages of the whole Correa saga within the Mets front office internally. So this was something that affected their decision. Who knows how much, but it materially affected their decision saying, oh, you know, well, we we don't get the 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 big star third baseman this year, but next offseason, another star third baseman might be available. But the problem with that is, is that he wasn't available yet. Yeah, you can't count on what another team might do or right. might not do when you're planning your own team. Yep. And now they've basically, I mean, like, don't get me wrong. Like, I think Steve Cohen really wants Shohei Otani, and I will lose my entire mind if Shohei Otani becomes a Met. That will be, like, possibly the greatest thing to ever happen in my Mets fandom. Like, unless <laughs> unless they win the World Series this year, which would be amazing. Um, I think that outside of that, Shohei Otani becoming a Met would be the greatest thing to happen in our in our lifetimes. I think he would be such a star here too. Oh God. Yes. Mega, mega star. I mean, he's already a mega star. He should be an even mega -er star. (laughs) Yes. Um, and he's not because he's on the Los Angeles angels of Anaheim. Um, a joke franchise, but like now it's just Otani or bust basically. Like they've put all their eggs in one basket. Yeah. And if the Dodgers come calling, Otani might prefer to stay on the West Coast. Exactly. Like they can't, like the Mets can give him the biggest offer. They they have the ability to do that. That is that is something that they control. They can they can give him the biggest offer. Um, and I think that Steve Cohen is willing to do that. That is not something that's out of the question or that I'm worried about. It but they can't control Otani's preferences. No. And what he wants. It's still ultimately his decision. It's his decision. It doesn't matter if the Mets offer him twice as much as the Dodgers, which is not going to happen, but just for, you know, argument's sake. It doesn't matter. If he wants to be a Dodger, he's going to 
choose the Dodgers and it's his right to do so. So for the Mets to be like, yeah, we're going to pass on Correa because of what might happen in the future is just like, that's never an argument that's going to hold water with me because you can't count on future events happening. You have to go. I know that Correa's ankles messed up. I understand. But you, to me, you have to go after the player that's available right now who wants to sign with your team right now. Um, and I just hope that they don't regret um, regret this decision and end up with not not Correa, not Machado, and not Otani. And then what do you do? Well, and don't forget, they're right back in the same position that they were this offseason, where they have an aging pitching staff. Scherzer can opt out. Yep. So what do you do about your pitching staff? Yep. I mean, that's, this is what Steve Cohen has been saying about like, he can only like, he can only keep up this for so long. In theory, he wants to transition to, he wants, he's using the Dodgers as a model. Mm -hmm. He's going to spend like crazy for a little while while they need to fill most of their holes in free agency. And he hopes to transition to cutting back the payroll a little bit, not like slashing it to poverty levels or anything like that, but cutting it back a little bit from the like history making levels it is right now to mixing it up with homegrown talent. It's just that right now the homegrown talent is there's some, but the Dodgers have a way better farm system than the Mets do. And they have a sustainably good farm system. They just pump out prospects every single season, every single season. And that's what the Steve Cohen hopes to achieve with the Mets. And he's investing in player development and things are improving, but we're not there yet. And so for now, we're going to have these problems with the pitching staff again next year. And like, don't get me wrong. Like, I hope that David Peterson is good and has a nice season, but like David Peterson having Justin Verlander's career is uh, not a likely outcome, <laughs> to say the least. Well, then um, that's the thing. Like, they could have had Correa and gone all in this year and given them a better chance to win a World Series instead of hedging their bets where we might have done enough, maybe, and hope that everything goes okay. When you could have had Carlos Correa and been like, we're all in, pedal to the metal, World Series are bust. Right. And listen, I hope Brett Beatty renders this whole conversation useless. Now, I don't think Brett Beatty is as good as Carlos Correa, but if he's at like 75% as good as Carlos Correa, then that's fine. Then that's your third baseman of the future still, and that's great. And if they get Shohei Otani to be their DH for 10 years and they have Brett Beatty as their third baseman for the next 10 years, then that's awesome. Then that's great. Yeah. That works out for everybody. Then we're really cooking with gas here. But again, like these, this is just like betting on uncertain outcomes. Um, We will see what happens, but yeah, it's just, it was, it was, I mean, good for Manny Machado. I mean, Manny Machado has always been one of my favorite players and I would have, forgive my language, I would have shit an entire brick if Manny Machado became a Met because I that would have made me so happy. Um, but, uh, you know, this is just illustrative of the flawed thinking behind the Carlos Correa non-signing to me. It's frustrating. Um, but, you know, hopefully, hopefully things work out for the Mets. Hopefully Shohei Otani's a Met and I won't care about this next year. <laughs> <laughs> I will never and then I will never care about it ever again. 
You will be too busy partying. Yeah, exactly. Although, can we also talk about how good Lindor is look now that he has a, a healthy appendix? Or oh boy, I mean, <laughs> Francisco Lindor like hitting like a million spring training taters is kind of an annual tradition for him. He True. always looks really good in spring, but it's still just like really fun to watch him. And it it'll is. be really fun to watch him in the World Baseball Classic too. Really fun. There was there was video of him and Javi Baez warming up. Um, doing drills for Team Puerto Rico, both of them together in the middle infield again was it's just really fun, really fun duo um, to see. I'm excited for the World Baseball Classic. I you well, know, Ben shows Pete, goofy yeah. Pete. He's like the next David Wright, like all in on Team Captain America. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> I, I'm psyched as hell. There, there's so much Mets representation. Um, Team USA is looking really good. Um, if you're like doing a country based, country specific. Um, rooting interest. Uh, Team USA is looking really good. Obviously, Team Puerto Rico is really fun. The Dominican Republic is really good as always. Um, Cespedes is on Team Cuba. Cespedes on Team Cuba. Team Japan, always fun. Um, Matt Harvey is on Team Italy. Yes, he is. Matt (laughs) Harvey is on Team Italy. It's true. Um, Yeah, there was a picture of him in Piazza. Yep, yep. That, That was wild. Yeah, that was kind of like surreal looking at that. Um, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm so, I'm so excited for the World Baseball Classic. I love the World Baseball Classic. I know that some people just like hold their breath and hope that no one on their team gets injured because of the World Baseball Classic, but I just enjoy it. It's fun. I mean, as a as a soccer World Cup enjoyer, like this is like I just hope the World Baseball Classic becomes even a fraction of what the World Cup is in soccer. Like it's just so fun. Um, I might be, I might be like true sicko hours and like watching the game tonight at 11 PM Eastern. (laughs) Um, I have to go to the office tomorrow, so maybe not, but if, if, if I'm up, like, you know, uploading the podcast or whatever, I I might be watching the 11 PM start time, uh, tonight. Who's playing? It's, uh, is it the nether? It's the Netherlands and Cuba? I know it's like yeah it's the Netherlands and Cuba okay 11 PM. will be playing yeah 11 p.m tonight on FS1 uh as we record this on March 7th um so yeah I'm excited for the World Baseball Classic it should be really fun um I can't wait to watch all the Mets and watch Team USA um other more broad baseball notes for this week. Um, I feel that now this comes with a caveat. Um, I feel that the thread that Ryan Thompson wrote uh, in late February about arbitration is really, really worth reading because it's probably the most illuminating, um, you know, account of an arbitration process I have ever read online. Um, Worth noting that Ryan Thompson is one of the raised pitchers who didn't Wear the who didn't wear the pride logo, so we don't like that, just like Brooks Raley's from Brooks Raley. Um, but I still I, I'm conflicted about platforming this thread because of that. But the thread is just really good, like objectively speaking, the thread is really well written. Um, and so I, I will recommend that you read that. And there's just like a lot, a lot in there about like the nonsense that players who are going through arbitration are 
subjected to about their careers and like what type of stats that the that the team uses against a player um the team used against Ryan Thompson specifically they used the little known fan graph stat meltdowns which i had no idea that was even a stat no it's like Meltdowns is, and and Ryan Thompson writes in the thread. Meltdowns is not an official MLB stat. I've never heard of it, and maybe never will again. We could have scoured the web for positive terminology, but stuck to the criteria. The use uh, the criteria, which I will I'll get back to the criteria. He outlines the criteria in the first um, part of the thread. The use of buzzwords by the team, without a doubt, swayed the arbitrators. Blown saves, meltdowns, and and quote protected from left-handed hitters created a bias brilliant so they use this like really obscure stat that Fangraphs has and no other site has this it's like a site that Fangraphs. it's like a stat that Fangraphs created um called meltdowns and they use that against ryan thompson in arbitration and just like because they like fished for a stat that made him look bad <laughs> like it's so what's nuts. the definition of a meltdown like five runs I have no idea. Um, I, I, someone told me when, when he first posted that thread, I asked someone and I forget what they said, but it's like, it's not even, it's not even what you think it is. It's like a, it's really dumb. It's a really dumb stat. Um, but the beginning of the thread is, is really illuminating. I thought he says, I want to make clear that although my, I lost my case, there's absolutely no ill will toward the Rays as they were professional and respectful as possible considering the circumstances. This is merely a review of the process. Criteria summary. Pl- one, platform year contribution. Two, career cons- and consistency contribution. Three, record of past compensation. Four, comparable baseball salaries. Five, existence of any physical or mental defects. Six, recent performance and record of the club. And so their approach, meaning Ryan Thompson and his representation um, and agent, was to stay as strict to those criteria as possible. Um, And like their thinking was that the three arbitrators have don't he doesn't know how much they know about baseball. These are not baseball people. These are like lawyers. They're not baseball people. They don't necessarily know anything about baseball. Maybe they play fantasy baseball or they call scoring runs points. No one knows. Um, (laughs) So they had to assume that arbitrators were savvy enough to understand basic rules and and statistics. And then he says, I believe that assumption was incorrect. Um, And so like he went in thinking, I don't know how much these guys know about baseball. I'm going to stick to these very like strict criteria that were set out in the beginning. But then the Rays just went out here and used all these like really weird like specific stats that paint a certain picture of the player and are able to sway the arbitrators by doing that. Um, And it's just like, it's all just like, it's so smarmy and gross. Like, I hate it. Well, Um, like we saw with Corbin Burns too. They basically blamed their whole season on him. Right. Like, and they and like along with this like meltdown stat, which like nobody knows what it means, um, they used blown saves against him because uh, I guess he had a lot of them. But like he's a middle reliever. He's not a closer. Yeah. So using blown saves against a middle reliever makes no sense. But 
people who don't know baseball are not going to know that. They're just going to know that blown save sounds really bad. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like, wow, so, you must be awful. <laughs> like, it's just the whole, it just, it just, un, it just re- like reveals like how, how bullshit this whole process is for players. Um, and how like I don't know like dehumanizing it is. It's yeah. basically like a bunch of lawyers determining your worth as a person. Like it's just, it's gross. Thank I mean, you. you know. Um. So, uh, I I'll link that thread. And in also, the show notes. how your employer wants to make you look bad, but at the same yep. time wants you to do good because you're employed for them. It's like right. an oxymoron. Yeah, it is a weird, like, catch-22. Yeah, it's like a weird dichotomy. Like, oh, wow, you're really bad, but you're our closer next year. What? I mean, they, they, want you, they want you to contribute as much as possible, and then they're going to sit there in court and, de- and, and, like, devalue your contribution or, like, downplay your contribution by yeah. using, like, really arbitrary, like, weird numbers just to paint a certain picture of you so that they can save two hundred thousand dollars or something yeah it's it's weird yeah um so i'll link the thread in the show notes and the tweets if you haven't read it um so you can read it in full but um yeah i i mean i wish it came from a different source admittedly but it's it is the best thread about arbitration i've read on twitter by a long shot um in other uh wider baseball news uh a um a certain cincinnati area journalist inquirer inquirer columnist who i won't even name because it's not even worth it it's not somebody like who's super important in the baseball world but um tweeted recently and i quote tom brenneman has made amends he's apologized profusely he's a changed man he's a good man who's willing to give him a shot Many, many schools need to upgrade uh, ESPN plus play by play perfect platform to get Tom Brenneman back calling games. <laughs> well, I want to know what his criteria of is of a changed man. I don't know. Do we have any proof of that? I don't know. Like, <laughs> like has he like donated to charities? Has he spoken to the LGBTQ community? Has he made any effort? I just like, I just love how these dudes like constantly get not only constantly get second chances, but like have people out here, like random people out here going to bat for them to get second chances. Like people are out here literally begging for him to get a job. Like what? There's plenty of other commentators out there. Nobody cares. Like, I just... It's wild. Anyway, just thought I would point that out. Because that was... That was just, like, insanely random. To have, like, appear on my timeline. I was like, excuse me? (laughs) (laughs) What? (laughs) I'm like, no, go away. (laughs) Please. I just... Anyway. Um... We have another entry in uh, in I took the form of a 45 year old white man for a reason. I can only fail up this week for that segment. <laughs> we have our good friend, Bob Nutting, Pittsburgh Pirates <laughs> owner. The headline, Bob Nutting complains that the new CBA didn't benefit the Pirates as team prepares for another bottom five payroll. <laughs> <laughs> oh, boy. Oh, Bob. <laughs> Just have a modicum of self-awareness. 
So Bob Nutting says, and I quote, there's no question the CBA contains several things that were not good for the pirates and very few things that were excellent for us. <laughs> very few things that were excellent. Excellent for us. Uh, the next time I have like a bad day, I'm just going to say there were very few things that were excellent. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> We're also oh, titling this episode that. Yeah, we're titling the episode that. We found the episode title. There there were very few things that were excellent for us. Very few things that were excellent for us. <laughs> oh, thank you for that, Bob. Oh, man, it's so funny. <laughs> I just... Like, the things these dudes say, I can't stop laughing at it. Like, every <laughs> week there's another one. Like, like, stop interviewing the owners. Stop asking these guys questions. Or maybe keep doing it because they're hilarious. Yeah, yeah. He also (laughs) says, quote, there's no question that a market like Pittsburgh, a salary cap would be advantageous. What? He's nowhere close to the salary cap. Well, he means that, you know, like, the, the small market teams can't compete with Steve Cohen's money. Well, That's what does he, he realize that means he would have a salary, salary floor? floor? No, I'm not sure he does. <laughs> it's like, you realize that in order to meet the floor, you'd probably have to like double your payroll, correct? Maybe even triple your payroll, depending on what the fl- floor would end up being. Like, did they even sign anybody outside of Andrew McCutcheon this year? Uh, I am not sure. I don't think so. I don't. <laughs> I know Brian Reynolds like demanded a trade. Yeah, and didn't and hasn't been traded. So that's two people on the Pirates that I know. Oh wait, is Banda still there? Our old friend Anthony Banda. I'm not sure. Let's find out. Because I went to a Pirates game after he got cut from the from the Mets and oh, nope. Anthony, Anthony Banda is in the Washington Nationals organization. God bless. Oh no, that's less. Maybe fun. I'll get to see him live. This True, but it's still less fun. Him and you know him and Luke drinking their bush lights after games. Those were the time. Those were I'm the going days. to find out if anyone on this roster is. And now I'm t- I'm talking about the starting roster. Obviously, they might have made like NRIs. Yeah, yeah, but is a um if anybody was a like free agent that they signed outside of andrew mccutcheon which was you know the right thing to do you know so he could it's probably his last season you want to Speaking retire of nris pirate. kevin pluecki pittsburgh pirates nri <laughs> oh they signed rich hill i knew they signed a pitcher they signed oh, rich hill is still around they signed rich hill they did do that okay we love dick mountain we do this, this podcast is a fan of Dick Mountain, so that's that's fine. That's oh, and Vince Velasquez as well. Oh, he's still around. Yeah, they huh? signed him in December of 2022. They did do it that. Feels like he's been in the league for a while. He is their fifth starter. <laughs> Rich Hill is their third starter. <laughs> oh, it's bleak. It's bleak. Their ro- their starting rotation is uh, number one, Mitch Keller. Number two, uh, Ro- Roanzi Contreras, who was acquired from the Yankees two years ago. 
Number three, Rich Hill. Number four, JT Brubaker, who is who is homegrown and did not pitch very well last year. Um, and Vince Velasquez, fifth starter. <laughs> oh, who's the sweet guy? Who's their closer though? That Diaz said he could go in instead of him in the All Star. Oh, David team. Bednar. Yeah, we like him. Yeah, yeah. No, he's the closer. He's good. Um, they have a couple of free agent relievers here. One is Harlan Garcia. Is a, was a free agent reliever. Unclear how much they signed him for. Can't be very much money. No. Um, and that, and then somebody else in the bullpen is a rule five pick. Everyone else is, you know, people who were already in the organization. Uh, yeah. So we've got as far as major league, like real free agents. Oh, they signed Austin Hedges to catch. That's right. Oh. They did do that. Okay, so that they've done their... like more than I thought. But okay, it's it's, uh, it's literally Andrew McCutcheon, Austin Hedges, and Rich Hill. That's <laughs> as far as like the major additions. That's that's who it is. <laughs> that's your that's Bob Nutting's Pittsburgh Pirates. There we go. I mean, it's such a shame though. They have that beautiful ballpark, and yeah, they have just no hope of competing whatsoever. No, but if the Linda, if there's a salary cap though. It's no, on. that'll change everything. It's Obviously, on. they'll be in on Otani then. It's on. Um, so yeah, that's 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 this weekend. I took the form of a forty-five-year-old man, white man, for a reason. I can only fail up. Um, very few things that were excellent for the Pittsburgh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, I love that so much. <laughs> moving on from the owners being craven to the league being craven again. Um. <laughs> Which is that, uh, so, so, you know, I mean, we all remember big W for this podcast, the minor league players did unionize and, and, and despite the fact that we've heard nothing about it, negotiations are ongoing for their CBA. It's just, we haven't heard anything about it. Um, but they are happening in theory. Uh, I am not sure when we'll find out any news about it, but I think it is happening. Um, however, (laughs) MLB is already doing like everything it can to sort of like thwart those or like create bad vibes around it because they are lobbying for an exemption from minimum wage laws in Florida uh, for minor league players. They have already done this at the federal level. They've already done this at the federal level. This is state uh, minimum wage laws because, you know, minimum wage laws say that that a, a worker has to be paid a certain amount but uh but baseball is saying oh no 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 these are seasonal workers they don't work the full year so we don't have to pay them minimum wage we can pay them 75% of minimum wage because they only work 75% of the year they will find any excuse to not pay these people it's pathetic it really is and this time they're going for you know they're they're lobbying uh, presidential candidate Ron DeSantis, um, who I'm sure will be very amenable to this, mm-hmm. this request. Especially since that's where a lot of the teams are based. Yep. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, but yeah, even as even as they negotiate with the now unionized minor leaguers, they are acting in bad faith as always. Um, yeah, it's sad. It's like, how how much money are we really talking about here? 
I know. Saving. And I think they made some kind of record amount, like $11 billion last year or something. And really, you can't pay the minor leaguers. And shout out to Jason Garcia for reporting this because he's like basically the only person I've seen like actually who actually reported it. Um, he's an investigative reporter covering corporate influence in Florida. And he's like like he's like a local Florida like corporate reporter guy. And he's like basically the only person who I've seen reporting this. I mean, a bunch of people have, you know, um, have highlighted his reporting um, and amplified it. But he is the original source of this story. It's not any like anybody who covers baseball for a living. It was this guy. So shout out to Jason Garcia for reporting this um, this story on his Substack. Um, so <laughs> moving on to other news that's not good for this podcast. Um, the investigation into Mike Clevenger is complete, according to reports, and he will not face any suspension from the league at all. No suspension for Mike Clevenger. I don't understand how. <sighs> I don't know. Um, I don't know. I mean, I don't know. Like, we won't. Maybe we will know. I I can't say never. Never say never. But because there was no punishment handed down, I sincerely doubt. I would be surprised if we ever find out the details of this investigation and what they found. Usually when there is some suspension handed down, we find out. Like, we, we knew every detail. Or not every detail. But we knew a lot of details of the Trevor Bauer investigation. Partially because Trevor Bauer would talk about it all the time. Yeah, but and would mouth off about it constantly. Um, but like we we knew like what the investigation was looking at. We knew what it revealed. We don't know. I mean, we know what the accusations are against Clevenger, and they're horrible. Um, but we don't know what this investigation revealed that made the league think that a suspension was not warranted because if if the leagues if the league look in, looked into it and concluded that these accusations were credible i i find it hard to believe that there would not have been a suspension involved here because what is accused is very bad um well, and it's partially against a child it is yeah. not just domestic abuse against his former partner against his it's against his child Well, that's the thing for me, like the league has sent out multiple signals by now that they don't care about women. It's just, and they have no desire to change either. They don't, they don't want to, you know, be more welcoming to women. It's just how it is right now. But now you're tolerating abuse of a child. Where's the line? What are you, uh, what else are you going to tolerate now? Like they, there's a line that, like they crossed the line and they said it was acceptable. So now the line moves further down. So what, what, what's the line that's going to get crossed where people finally say enough's enough? Because abuse of a child isn't it. Abuse of a woman isn't it. Abuse of a cat isn't it. But I think somebody abused his cat a couple years ago. He did get a lengthy suspension for that. Oh, he did. But... So abuse of a cat, which is horrible, by the way. But they took that more seriously than abuse of a child. That was Sam Dyson, I believe, and I believe yes, he did was. get yes, a suspension right. for that. Um, but I'm sure he's back in the league. 
I mean, I don't know. I think his career is over just by the token of him not being very good anymore. Let me find so, out. You know, yeah, what, he was what, what, suspended for the whole 2021 season for that. All right. But, but you're still tolerating abuse of a child. Yeah. You're telling everybody this is okay. All we know about the investigation is what's contained within Major League Baseball's statement about this, which was released two days ago as we record this. And it says, I quote, the office of the commissioner of baseball has completed its investigations in its investigation into allegations against Chicago White Sox pitcher Mike Clevenger. The comprehensive investigation included interviews of more than 15 individuals, in addition to Mr. Clevenger and the complainant, as well as a review of available documents, such as the thousands of electronic communication records. The office of the commissioner has closed this investigation and barring the receipt of any new information or evidence, the office of the commissioner will not be imposing discipline on Mr. Clevenger in connection with these allegations. As part of his path forward, Mr. Clevenger has voluntarily agreed to submit to evaluations by the joint treatment boards under the collectively bargained policies and to comply with any of the board's recommendations. MLB will continue to make support services available to Mr. Clevenger, his family, and other individuals involved in the investigation. So they interviewed a bunch of people, including Mike Clevenger and um, his partner, and the person who accused him of this and 15 or and 13, I guess, other people, more than 13 other people. Um, And they reviewed electronic communications, presumably texts um, and DMs and stuff. Um, And I guess concluded that these allegations that there's no proof that what what she alleges happened happened. But like somebody pointed out, there's the White Sox very easily could have DFA'd him and they didn't. Right. And there's also like, I mean, there is evidence that there's multiple people who have accused him of being a shithead. Yep. <laughs> even if there isn't, even if there are multiple women who have accused him of domestic violence per se outright, this is the only accusation of like physical abuse. Um, as far as I know, um, but he has multiple exes who have said that he's the worst. <laughs> yeah, basically, um, he's he's been accused of locking his ex and child out of their house to, uh, without access to their belongings. So that's been a thing that has been accused of him in the past. Um, he's best friends with Trevor Bauer. Very close with Trevor Bauer. Well, he spit tobacco on the baby. That is the accusation, yes. Yeah. That is the accusation. It's horrible. If if this I again allegations, I, yeah. I want I want so desperately to believe that if MLB really like if MLB found concrete proof that this happened, that he would be suspended for a long time too. Yeah. Um, they well, just, you would think, or at least hope that would be the case. They were they just unable to find proof. Now Again, MLB, this is going to make the worst, scummiest people on earth feel vindicated. Well, it's already happened. It's already happened. 
Now, because that one reporter said he's been cleared of wrongdoing. Those were his exact words. So everybody took that and ran with it. People need to be better about the words that they use when they report this stuff. MLB, And this is why you can't have a white man covering these topics. MLB is not a judicial body. MLB is just trying to figure out if a clear violation of their of their policy has been found and they couldn't find it. That does not mean that he didn't do anything wrong. Mm -hmm. Far, far from it. Yes. That does not mean he's exonerated. That does not mean he's innocent. That does not mean that he's a stand up guy. (laughs) (laughs) Like, come on. You cannot say cleared. You cannot. You cannot say cleared. Like, oh, God. And it's it's so frustrating. It's so frustrating. Um, you know, I, I, I can't give the league the benefit of the doubt because of the way that they've handled other things. I, but, you know, even based on their own precedent, I have to believe that if they found like really concrete proof that they would have suspended him now, that again, doesn't mean he didn't do anything wrong. It just means that he covered his trail very well or something. Um, and that, you know, a woman's, the sad reality of our society is that a woman's word is not enough. Yep. Um, there has to be some sort of proof, which, you know, that's the world we live in. Um, so it's, it sucks. I mean, the, and, and again, going back to other like circumstantial evidence, I guess you could call it. That's I'm not a lawyer. I'm not using that as a legal term. <laughs> I'm using <laughs> that as a, you know, figure speech. Um he he also violated COVID policies, by the way. Like again, just like more evidence that he's just like not a good person. <laughs> yeah. That he's like not a stand-up guy we should be rooting for here. Um, that we think is not capable of something like this. Um, he violated COVID policies and got in trouble for it. Um, like he went out clubbing, if I recall, with his teammates when they were during like peak COVID when they were supposed to be like on lockdown. Yep. Yeah. And him and Lindor, Lindor got into an argument with him about it. Yep. Yep. So that's a thing. Yeah. Anyway, so he's not going to be suspended. Um, they, you know, they asked his teammate Lucas Giolito about this. And Giolito gave a very shitty quote. Mm-hmm. Um, he said, quote, it's good news for our club because he'll be in our rotation and able to help us win games. Now we go from there. I don't see it as a distraction. We handle our business and take care of what we need to and block out the side noise. That's part of being a player. That's awful on a lot of levels. Yeah, I was going to um, say, there's so many things wrong with that statement. Where do we even begin? Like... I am not I'm not asking for much here. Like I am not pretending that these athletes, these guys who these guys are their teammates. They're I'm not pretending that we live in a world where they're going to go out here and drag their teammates through the mud and say like, "Yeah, what a shithead." <laughs> like that's not <laughs> even what I'm expecting at this point. No. Like it's not going to happen. I get that they're a boys club. I get that they protect each other. But you could give a simple no comment instead of saying this. You could have simply said no comment. Like, 
it's not it's not actually Lucas Giolito's problem that Mike Clevenger did or did not do this, that these accusations exist. So I understand I am sympathetic to the situation that like this, this has put his teammates in. I am sympathetic to that. I am. You are not you are not accountable for what your shitty friend does, but it doesn't mean you have to like go to bat for him and talk about how. Like, it's great news for your baseball club that he'll help you win games. I can't. Like, getting away with domestic abuse is great news. That's not really, like, that's really not how I would put it. Again, it's the constant framing of, like, an obstacle to overcome. Yes, yeah. On the part of the abuser and and the people. When he put himself him. in that situation. Exactly. It's It's just, like, that is the constant framing of this that frustrates me. Is that yeah, they're the is victim like some now distraction this, or yeah. obstacle, and he's gonna overcome it and yeah, stuff the, like that. And he's become the victim now, right? Like, so there's basically like two main issues I have with this shitty statement, um, shitty quote that Giolito gave is like one, the good news, obviously, yeah, is, oh. is issue number one. Never put domestic, equate domestic abuse with good news. Just good news. At bare minimum, do not put that out there. Good news. Um, And number two, like, characterizing, like, domestic abuse and child abuse as, quote, side noise that you have to block out. Again, painting it as this obstacle you have to overcome. Yeah. Like these are, this is this woman's life and her child's life. Like this is, it's not side noise. <laughs> and, and also that belittles her trauma too. Uh, oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely it does. Um, So that was just like really crappy to read. Now. And which is surprising to come from him too. Right. And he's been like, you know, one of those, like one of the good ones, you know, like people More say so he's like, really good. Now. To Lucas Giolito's credit, he apologized for this statement. He said, uh, this is a this is like a screenshot from an article. An apologetic Lucas Giolito said he's not happy with how he answered the question about Clevenger minutes after coming off the field in a game he pitched. Quote, I never, ever intended on downplaying the severity of domestic violence or domestic abuse situations. I obviously answered the question strictly from a baseball clubhouse competition point of view, and it was ins- insensitive the way I answered that, he said. I appreciate that, honestly. Yeah. Because he's one of the few who has thought about it, or at least exactly. Now he's just mine. I don't know. Obviously, like the better thing would have been to not say it in the first place. Um, and like who knows how much of this is like uh like he saw how badly people reacted to it and he had to do damage control. That's the thing, is I don't know how much I'm willing to give these people the benefit of the doubt either because of that. Like, uh uh-oh, I'm getting dragged. I'm losing my nice guy reputation. I better say something. Or my... The woke mob has come for me. (laughs) (laughs) Better defend myself. Yeah. So, I, you know, like I said, he, he appeared to be one of the good ones, but at the same time... Your priority was winning, and it's always going to be winning. That was the first thing out of your mouth was yep. this is good news for our club. Yeah, like you, like 
I don't know. I so I, I I I'm not giving him the benefit of the doubt. I'm just you I, catch I, him. I you catch him, him right after you, you catch him right after he pitched in a game. You don't give him time to think about his answer, and this is what comes out. So that's what that's probably what he really believes inside because yeah, he didn't have the, the chance to like think and calculate. Yeah, that was the top of his head. Like we can win ball games now. Great. Yeah. Like, and then so, was like, oh shit, that was probably bad. Yeah, like oh crap. Oh, so no. I'm not giving any of these dudes the benefit of the doubt until they change or they back up their words. That said, the pathetic thing is that the bar is in Hades. And so, like, most guys aren't even going to apologize for saying something like that. Most guys will say exactly that or even worse, honestly, and Mm -hmm. never say they're sorry. And Mm -hmm. in fact, we'll often double down on it later. Yes. So this all like the fact that he even apologized at all already makes him better than like most teammates who are put in this situation. But again, you could simply say no comment. Nothing. You could simply say nothing. I mean, it's I still would rather these guys say something like again. I I, I don't want to pretend that. Like the Mets are blameless here. Like your favorite team (laughs) every time your favorite team does this too. I am not out here pretending that the White Sox are like uniquely bad here. David Wright, like some, someone who Mets fans canonize someone who is a God in the eyes of our fan base stayed friends with Jose Reyes the whole time Mm -hmm. was best friends with him, embraced him in his final game as a New York Met made sure that Jose Reyes was a part of that and hugged him on the field. He will ever forever. Jose Reyes will forever be a part of that memory that Mets fans have. So let's not pretend, but David Wright did not have the audacity to say this shit. At least he He was actually, he did condemn Reyes too. He did actually condemn Reyes. He stayed buddies with him though. Note. Yes. He, but he actually was one of the few players who had the balls to say what Jose Reyes did was wrong. Yeah. It was bad, and I hope that he's working on himself, basically, was more or less the quote. I have to go back and find the exact quote. But, but again, he definitely said it was wrong and should never be done. Yes. So to actually just put a statement like that out, which, you, every, which should just everybody should agree on. You don't hit a woman. That shouldn't just be something that's universally agreed on. But yet him saying it was revolutionary. Yeah. And so, like, that should be the bare, that should be the model that the for the bare minimum. It's like, I'm not pretending that you're going to renounce your friendship with your buddy. Like, I, I would love to think that, that more men would do this. I would love to think that more men would stop embracing the abusers in their lives. But... I just know that that's not the reality that we live in right now, but all I am asking is for you to come out and say it's wrong. Well, that's the thing. Like, Justin Verlander tweeted a while ago saying he was really forceful in condemning the domestic violence. Like, he used strong language and everything. Until it was his teammate. Until it was his teammate. So how strong were your convictions, Justin? Until Until it's on your doorstep, until it's your friend. Yep. Like, and then they know you benefit you and help you win a World Series. Now, all of a sudden, domestic violence. Oh, no. I don't know. Not, not, I can't comment on that. So, how strong are your convictions? Not very. I know your words are empty if you won't say them when it's your friend. Yep. And that's the sad thing. That should be the bare, that should simply be the bare minimum. I am not asking for you to like 
say the Luke. I'm not asking Lucas Giolito to say like Mike Clevenger is henceforth canceled and I will never associate with the man ever again. <laughs> I wish that that would be the case. Yes. I wish that I wish that all it these would guys be nice. would become clubhouse pariahs like Trevor Bauer because Trevor Bauer has become a clubhouse pariah. There is not a single dude in the Dodgers clubhouse who would have said this quote about Trevor Bauer. For example, well, the like, Dodgers oh, wait, I'm glad that Trevor him. Bauer's back. I don't think any of them would say that at this the, point. The Dodgers flat out said he would not be welcome back in the clubhouse. That's why we got rid of him. Right. So I wish that that would happen more. I understand that it's not always going to happen. I understand that. But at the very least, you could not call it good news. <laughs> That's yeah. like, well, in my, and I get it's easy when it's not your teammate. You can. Be like, oh, well, the Dodgers have a problem. Yeah, like, go, oh, Trevor Bauer's a problem. But then, but now when it's on your doorstep, how strong are your convictions? Yeah. And I get that's hard. That's it's always going to be a harder thing. But stand up for what you believe in. Stand yeah. up for women. I mean, in the case of Clevenger, again, it's tough because he's not been suspended by the league. So his teammates look at that and say, oh, the league didn't find anything wrong. So. Oh, so he must be innocent. He must be fine. It's good news. It's great. It's good news. Great news. Great news for us. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just frustrating. And now Clevenger is going to pitch all year and we probably won't hear of this again. Um, And we won't know. Unless it happens again, which. Yeah, sure. It's a pattern, you know, like. Yeah. Once once there's a red flag, there's bound to be more. So. It could happen again. Uh, we could be talking about this again in a few months. Um, but as far as this specific incident, um, I sincerely doubt that we'll learn details about beyond what Major League Baseball put in their statement that they interviewed people. They looked through text messages. We won't ever learn what they what they learned from those things, probably. Um, but that's where we stand with that right now. Um I feel bad for White Sox fans. I genuinely do. I do that's too. a hard that's a hard team to root for right now because you've got the Clevenger situation. You had Tony Russo last year. The yep. vibes are just really bad, really bad all around. And it sucks because a couple of years ago they were so fun. They were so fun. And it seemed like they were going to be like this nice, fun, up and coming team. And then the vibes just got totally killed. And it, it was so quick, too, in a span of like two years. I think they are they are in competition for like the worst team wide vibes in yeah. baseball right I now. Mean, yeah, I I struggle to think of a team like an entire team that has worse vibes. I mean, like there are obviously like worse teams. Like the White Sox are still more talented than a lot of other of the bottom feeder teams. But Bob as far Nutting's as like, team, <laughs> Bob Nutting's team, for example, the A's, the Nationals, the true like the Reds. Yeah, a lot of those teams. They are way better than those teams as far as, like, the talent on the roster. But, like, as far as, like, pure vibes are concerned, who might be, it's bottom five. <laughs> well, I think Jose Abreu was just trashing them, too. Yes, about how it didn't feel like a family. Yeah. And now the Astros feel like a family. And I was like, you're talking about how the Astros feel like a family? The <laughs> yeah, Astros ooh. organization feeling like a family? <laughs> you know the vibes are bad. <laughs> Yikes. <laughs> oh, gosh. Lord have mercy. Um, that people were blaming it on a brain. People got mad at a brain. It's like, don't get mad at him. Get mad at the team. Yeah. 
I don't know. Like vibes People always go both ways. Music. Vibes usually go both ways. Uh, but in this case, there are priors. So like <laughs> that say that the White Sox vibes are bad. Um, yeah, so, I don't know. Um, but yeah, uh, it's like we welcome well, all fan bases. White Sox. We do. Fans. We do. We very much do. The Mets have like I wouldn't like. I'm not going to like bias. I'm not going to call. I'm not going to bias myself and say that the Mets are the vibiest team in baseball. But I say <laughs> that they're top five, I think. Well, what you say is the vibiest then? Mm, the Padres the have really good vibes right now. They've got like Juan Soto and Manny Machado. And uh, although Fernando Tatis kind of ruined his vibes. That yeah. Pretty, yeah. Good. Um, Padres have pretty good vibes. Um, honestly, like. I'm going to throw up in my mouth, but the Phillies have pretty good vibes mm. on that roster. Uh, who else has like really excellent? I think the Mariners have good vibes. Mariners have good vibes. Yeah. J-Rod, very fun. Very fun team. Yeah. Blue Jays have pretty good vibes. Yes. Yeah. With all like the second generation MLB guys. Yeah. Yeah. But I think the Mets are yeah, like top five. I think the Mets are up least. there. Mets sure. are up there. I mean, like. God, Lindor is so fun. <laughs> I know. <laughs> and and Kodai Sanga, like, who doesn't, yes. like, he's going to be so fun. Eduardo Escobar is potentially the vibiest single player in baseball. He's like the new Curtis Branderson, where he's just seeing him makes you happy. He's just happy he's all the time. Happy. Yes. Mark Canha's excellent vibes. Starling Marte's excellent vibes. Um, he's just the goober. Yeah. Pete Alonso, obviously good vibes, although other fan bases D- don't agree. Diaz, amazing vibes. Other fan bases were out here like crapping on Pete Alonso, like sprinting into the dugout to get ready for his at bat because of the pitch clock. And I was like, they just find like they just find any reason to hate on Pete Alonso, and it's so exhausting. Like, it what really did he is. do to you? It's so weird. It Other really fan bases is. hate him, and like, I don't he, get it. He's just having fun playing baseball. Isn't that what you want out of your? He's players? like the least offensive player. Like that could exist he's just like a flora man like what (laughs) who wants to mash baseballs and that's it he's he has no thoughts he has no (laughs) thoughts just swings like he just hits (laughs) ball like that is it i don't understand like you think there's something going on inside his brain there is not there's nothing going on up there (laughs) like he's the golden retriever who plays baseball he just gets excited about baseball and and the fact that he brought a literal dog to yes. spring training, like spring training, and it was for charity. It was like a a dog that's training to be like a service a dog, dog for veterans. Yes, and people like shit on this man, and like meanwhile <laughs> he just like all he does is charity work and like hit bombs. Like please, enough. <laughs> it's so if you hate Pete Alonso, find a new slant. It's exactly exhausting. like you must be the most miserable person. To ever exist if you hate Pete Alonzo. It's sad. Like, I can honestly see how, like, Brandon Nimmo's, like, weird sprinting to first base and, like, Jeff McNeil being cranky all the time can get on other fan bases' nerves. And, like, Jeff McNeil, like, hits a single when he has no right to. I I get it. Like, I could get how that would grate on other fan bases and, like, be like, oh, God, that squirrel motherfucker is so annoying. (laughs) Um, Or, like, oh, they're bringing in a sprint at first base again. Like, I could get how, if you're, like, an Atlanta Braves fan, how that pisses you off. But, like, I just don't, I, I do not understand 
the Pete Alonso hate. It's so outsized and I don't get it at all. This like dumb Braves fan followed me just so she could tweet um, Acuna gifts at me. And I was like, Acuna's fun. I have no problem with Acuna. Yeah. Like what? Okay. I was like, sure. Ronald Acuna's fun. You <laughs> tweet gifts at me? About how I went to City Field one time, and there was a little kid struggling with like the stolen base challenge, and he ran beside the kid, cheering him on the whole time. It was very sweet and endearing. I have no problem with Acuna, so I can admit that about your player. But Pete the Devil, yeah, like what? I honestly like, was like, Braces have no right to talk when they have Marcelo Zuna on their team. He's Seriously, literally an abuser. Like what? and i don't have a problem with like any of their players outside of him like i would never like go out here and be like god spencer strider can't stand that guy although he did oh no he could not shut his mouth last year though that was that specific quote was annoying but i don't care about him as a guy like but like i'm not out here just being like oh matt olsen's the worst (laughs) austin (laughs) riley the most unoffensive player like like, that's the same thing, though. Like, it's the same thing as just being like, eh, can't stand Austin Riley, the worst. <laughs> the dude, I can't, I hate his face when he comes to the plate. Can't stand Robbie Grossman. He annoys me so much. <laughs> like, get a life. The way it's, uh, the way Cunha holds his bat is annoying. Please reserve your hate for, like, players who are actually annoying. Like, a-holes. Yeah. Please. <laughs> what sucks because the Braves don't really have many of them. Ozuna, that's it. Yeah, that's it basically. Yeah. But and I can hate on Strider for his specific quote about how the Mets are lucky, but like I don't yeah. actually like have a problem with him outside of that. Um, I don't really like I'm like I don't really have any like hate in my heart for NL East like rival players in specific. I I don't like Reese Hoskins. Reese Hoskins is a red ass. He's oh the, yeah, I can't stand. He's Reese probably Hoskins. my single least favorite NL East like rival player. Right? <laughs> I, I used to I used to hate Bryce Harper, but he I don't hate him anymore. He's fun now. Like no, he still bothers me. Like I like I hate him from like a sports hate perspective in the sense that he's just like on another team and he's on a rival team and he's good. But I used to just like the clown question, bro. Yeah, was the worst. And he was immature and awful during that time. And I like couldn't stand him. But as a Philly, like he's gotten a lot more like like mature. And now he's just kind of fun. And so I don't really hate him anymore. But I mean, I sports hate him because he's good, but like I don't have a problem with his personality. Well, Patrick Corbin, I still can't stand. <laughs> Melty ice. <laughs> Melty ice. <laughs> oh God. He's also just bad. So he like can't it's suck like, enough. It's hilarious. I can't, I can't like hate I can't like hate on him really. I mean, like, I can because he's like a January 6th guy. Yeah. Um <laughs> but like he's not very good, so he doesn't get on my nerves a lot because I actually, he's a blessing to have on an NL East rifle. You're like, please keep throwing him out there, please. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, I, I would say like the one who I actually can't stand on an NL East rifle is Reese Hoskins. He is. Oh man. It was still hilarious. It, it being to this day when he thought he hit the game tying home run against Edwin Diaz. And it got oh my God. I think I called back for a double and he got so mad. Like, dude, this is your stadium. These are your rules. Yep. It's just, yeah, he's he's a red ass and he's the worst. Yes. <laughs> um. 
anyway, <laughs> after that diversion, we will end the show this week like we always do with walk-off wins where each of us talks about something that is making us happy this week, baseball-related or otherwise. Linda Servich, what is your walk-off win for this week? Well, last week, you thought I my plans were related to vacation. They weren't. But this week, they are actually related to vacation because I booked a trip to Paris. That's <laughs> very, very exciting. I've never I don't been know. to Paris. Like, I'm terrified of flying. I ha- I'm poor. I have no money. And yet I decided to do this anyway because I wanted to go to the Olympics. And I was like, oh, the Olympics in Paris. How cool is that? That would be perfect to see both. Um, so I, they had a, like you had to enter a thing and then you have found out if you were able to buy tickets. And so my sister's neighbors got the chance to buy tickets like back in February. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I didn't get it. And then all of a sudden I get an email saying, oh, you've been picked. I was like, oh, my God. Like, should I do it? I don't know. Should I actually get the tickets? Um, So I did. And I got volleyball, which I was so excited for because I love volleyball. Volleyball I, is so fun. Yes, especially played at the highest level. It's amazing to watch. And I wish more people, I wish volleyball was bigger in this country. Um. So you, you know what is like a fun ass time? Women's college volleyball. I'm not kidding. It's like yes, really cool. It's very amazing. fun to watch. When there's a rally going, it gets so crazy. Yeah. Um, so I did. I got um one men's volleyball, a court volleyball, one's women court volleyball. And then I was like, well, I couldn't go all the way to Paris just to watch volleyball. So then I got <laughs> basketball. <laughs> Nice. I'm looking at, well, it's called football over there. Um, but the stadiums were all over the place, and I didn't know, like, how far they were from Paris and how I would get there and stuff. So I wanted to try to stick to events that were in the city itself. And then I also wanted to pick events that were in the same week, so that way I wouldn't have to spend money for two weeks to stay right. the extra week. So it kind of limited what I could get. And by the time I was able to buy tickets, there was a lot of events that were obviously already gone. So my options were limited. So I ended up picking basketball because I figured at least there'll be action (laughs) with basketball. Um, Because my other option was sailing. I I don't know sailing. (laughs) Is that exciting? I don't know. Or rugby. I think handball was the other one. Um, But you know, it's, it's the Olympics. You can't go wrong. Cause ever since I've, I was a kid, I've always been an Olympics nerd. Um, I've always loved the Olympics, especially the summer Olympics. Um, so yeah, mixing the two with this fabulous city that I've always wanted to go to just seemed like a no brainer to at least try. Um, so I'm still kind of freaking out about it. Um, I've never traveled internationally before. Uh, the, the farthest I've gone internationally is Canada. <laughs> so, but I do have my passport. So that's that. Check that off. That's one one thing done. Um, but yeah, I'm I'm really excited, and I figured you know, it's your way I can save. I have a year to save. Um, but yeah, so you, if you follow me anywhere on any social media, you're going to be getting a lot of. <laughs> a lot of Paris tweets in a year um, because I do I want to see Versailles I, I, they have venues beach volleyball is going to be played at the Eiffel Tower how amazing is that that's like, really really so cool, cool. 
like the venues are gonna be so cool and i'm so so pumped i'm excited for cheese i'm excited for chocolate i'm excited for croissants i'm excited for champagne I, like the food's gonna be amazing um so i've and i i want one fancy dinner at least um so yeah, I'm counting down the days, even though nothing is booked except for the tickets to the events themselves. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm, as long as I don't freak out on the plane, I think, I think it'll be a good time. That's awesome. It's going to be the trip of a lifetime. Truly. That's what I was thinking. Like, you, you know, it's just like a once in a lifetime kind of thing. I couldn't, I couldn't cast it off, uh, you know, because there's always an excuse not to do something. Yeah. So you know, I decided to go for it and somehow it worked out. <laughs> yeah, I that's awesome. I, I mean, I like the the only comparable like thing that I've done is I um I went to South Africa for the World Cup in 2010. And yeah, that's really it was cool. it was truly the trip of a lifetime. Like I'm never going to be able to replicate that again. Like it was it was just so good. Like How it was the flight there. Uh, it was long. <laughs> I, I mean, it was it was two flights. Um, okay. It was a flight. Uh, I had a layover in Dubai. Um, it was basically like in like like a seventeen hour flight, and then another seven hour flight. It was a lot. Oh. It was a lot. Um, the travel was obviously the roughest part, um, but the trip itself was incredible. Um, and getting to attend like a World Cup game in person was like. And with the I, I and obviously like I was at the South Africa World Cup, so it was the Vuvuzela World Cup, and so it's just oh. like it's so noisy. <laughs> um, <laughs> like it's just like it, it, like I will never experience that atmosphere again. Like that was absolutely nuts. I mean, I obviously would love to go to like um like women. I would I I really it's it's still a dream of mine because that was the men's World Cup. It, okay, and I'm more of a women's soccer fan than a men's soccer fan, and it's still a dream of mine to go to the women's World Cup, and I would die. I would love that. So where much. is the next women's one? France. Oh, <laughs> well, actually, the one the current one is uh actually the, there's one this year, and that one's in uh New Zealand. Um, oh. but the, well, I think the one be nice. after that is France, unless I am mistaken. Um. I might be wrong about that, but I'm pretty sure the next World Cup's in France. Um, so yeah, it's I I would love to go to Women's World Cup. And yeah, so the World Cup trip was just the best. And I imagine that the Olympic trip is gonna be similar because it's like you get to go to a place that you never would ordinarily get to go to, and you get to go to this like once every four years event. Um, yeah. Well, amazing. that's also the thing. Like, I want to go to the Louvre. I'm like, if I'm while I'm there, I have to at least try to see the Mona Lisa. But at the same time, like the whole world is there. So will yeah. I even get to be close to it? Like that's a will good I question. enjoy it as much as I would, you know, if I went on like a random month or when the Olympics weren't there. So Yeah, I don't know about that. I went to Italy and I got to see all the things, like the David and all the things, but I was not there during and Olympics. Although uh, I, I don't know if this is sacrilege to say, but I've heard the Mona Lisa is not that impressive. Yeah, I don't know. I've never <laughs> it's seen very, it. That it's smaller than you think. I'd love to go to Paris, though. I'm going to be living vicariously through you. Eat, yeah, okay. eat all the baguettes and cheese and croissants. Oh, and I just want cheese. Oh, my God. I want all cheese. the cheese. Got cheese. <laughs> One of my coworkers took her honeymoon to Paris. So she was like, you have to get bread and cheese and have a picnic in front of the Eiffel Tower. I'm like, I don't know if I'm allowed. <laughs> if there's a venue there. 
when when I was in Italy, we like we we made up this mantra in that we abided by the three P's pasta, pizza and paninis. And we oh. ate them. We ate that for like one of the three P's for every meal. basically. <laughs> we used to get the, the paninis were so good and they were so cheap. We used to get these paninis for like two euros and, and they were giant sandwiches, huge paninis. So you get these paninis for like two euros and we would just go to a random like square and like picnic and eat these like delicious, like life changing paninis that were so cheap. <laughs> oh, it was the best. My other coworker, Roseanne, just went to Italy in um in February because she's first generation American. Her parents are both from Italy, so she has family still there. So she went to go visit her family in Italy. And she said she had the best pizza of her life there. Oh yeah, it's amazing. It's not yes. so it's not anything like New York pizza. Like people think like it's very different. It's very different. Like don't expect it to just be like a better version of New York pizza. Yeah. That's not what it is. It's something entirely different and it's delicious. So good. Well, and then she was saying like their McDonald's there had French fries with bacon bits and cheese on it. Oh yeah, the McDonald's in Europe are very fancy. We went to McDonald's one time. We did go to McDonald's one time in Italy. I don't even remember what I have to be on what I had to be honest, but it was a fancy McDonald's. Why don't we get that? That's not fair. <laughs> because <laughs> we're bits and cheese. <laughs> our food standards are low and we will eat <laughs> We're easier to please. <laughs> yeah. Um so speaking of basketball. Uh, my walk-off win for this week is that I attended my first ever NBA game in person. Um, I've only been to one, so we're we're we have equal playing field. Yeah, I've had a lot of firsts in the other major sports besides baseball. I mean, like I've been like a baseball and soccer. I mean, like I've loved soccer my entire life, and so I've been to a lot of soccer games. Not as many as I've been to baseball games, but I've been to many soccer games. Um. But like I basically had only been to baseball and soccer games professionally um, my whole life. I've been to plenty of like college games of the other sports because I used to support Delaware. When I was at Delaware, I would go to uh, football games and basketball games and everything. Um, But I had never been to a professional game in any of the other sports until the Ranger Devil game that we all went to in, you know, right before the pandemic. That was Which like today my... is the anniversary of three years. Today ago. is the anniversary of it. Yes. yes. The it three year three... anniversary. Yep. And it was still a special place in my heart since that ended up being Henrik Lundqvist's last game. Henrik Lundqvist's last game and like the last thing we all did before the pandemic. <laughs> before the world shut down. Yeah. Um, so that was like my first NHL game. Um, and then, you know, uh, this past football season at, at like after, th- right after Thanksgiving, I went to my first ever NFL game and now I just went to my first ever NBA game. Um, the Knicks played this, played the, um, played the wizards in DC. Um, and we, we went and it was really fun and I had a really great time. Um, and Michael, I mean, so Michael is a Mets jets Knicks fan. Um, and he's been trying to get the other two to rub off on me for a long time (laughs) and i think he's 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 way way more successful about the knicks than the jets and like it's just because like i'm always just gonna like like basketball more as a sport than football like the cte stuff and like the style of football is just like i don't think i'm ever gonna really get into it like i'll be happy when the jets win because i want michael to be happy but like 
It's just like not a sport I'm ever going to be really a diehard about. But like the Knicks are really fun and really good right now. Um, And I had a blast at the game. And like, I'm really enjoying this little run that the Knicks are on right now. You um, know, if my man Obi Toppin played, he's from my hometown. Yes. Yes. Obi Toppin did play. Okay, good. Yes, he did play. Um, he's not a starter, but he, no. he comes off the bench frequently and gets, but people play. love him. Cause he's very yeah, good. He is good. Um, and he, yeah, he did play. I did get to see him. Okay, um, good. and like before the season or like not before the season, like early in the season, um, Michael was like in his, in his effort to get me to re- be more invested in the Knicks. He tried to get me to pick like my dude, like kind of how we do in this podcast. We pick our dudes at the beginning of the season every year, <laughs> um, which we will be doing soon, by the way, probably next podcast. We'll pick our dudes. We just didn't do that this podcast. Cause Maggie wasn't here. Um, but I, I, unlike the Mets, I know nothing about the Knicks, really. Um, and so I just did it based on vibes, purely based on vibes. Like, I knew nothing <laughs> about if he was good. I picked Emmanuel quickly, like arbitra- nice. completely arbitrarily. And in not in the game that I went to, but in the most recent game, they went to double overtime against the Celtics. And Emmanuel quickly scored like 40 points and just like fully went off. And he was subbing in for... Um, a guy who was injured um, and like, he's not like a guy who normally starts, but he, he like, he got the opportunity because uh, one of their other guards was injured. And so he got to play and he just like fully went off and was like the hero of the game. And he's having like a really good breakout season. And I'm just like, I picked him as my dude. And I was right. That's <laughs> my dude. It's my dude. And so I'm, I'm <laughs> I think I'm becoming a Knicks fan and a Daniel quickly fan. So I'm like, I, I don't know. It was fun. I had a really fun time at, at that game. And I would love to go to a game at the garden and experience that because I mean, I've experienced the garden in a, in a hockey, uh, in, a hockey setting but i would like to experience also in a basketball setting well the next time you and michael are up let's all go because i gotta support my man obi tapping yes we should go to a next game it'll be yes. fun the we should are like good right now so it's <laughs> yeah. cool um i saw a tweet from someone that was like if you're bandwagoning the knicks right now we don't need you we've been bad for so long and i was like sorry bro <laughs> <laughs> right here <laughs> like listen the mets like I, I, and this is what I tell Michael when he tries to get me into the Jets and Knicks. Like, I have enough misery in my life rooting for the Mets. Like, I don't, like, I only have enough room in my heart for, like, so much, like, disappointment. Uh, (laughs) And these other, it's not like these other franchises uh, are, uh, you know, lacking disappointment um, in their (laughs) histories. So I'm kind of like, I'm not sure I can deal with much more disappointment. So, like, I'm sorry, man. If I'm going to be a Knicks fan, I'm going to be a bandwagoner because I cannot do i cannot be a diehard of another like historically disappointing franchise. <laughs> you do not get on the jets bandwagon at i any can't course. do it man i can't don't, I'm sorry. don't but i will enjoy this season that and this little run that the knicks are having and watching and actually like watching the games every night um it's been it's been nice to get me through this like final phase of the baseball offseason um until oh, and also oh, wait speaking of i also have to throw out another walk-off win of, of my florida rams who had an incredible season a history-making season and now they have a chance to get into the tournament very um, exciting they play thursday um they're the three seed in their division so they have a chance 
That's um, awesome. Yeah, they had they hired a new coach, and he apparently like turned the com- the program around. Um, and they were calling Rose Hill Rose Thrill. Like it was the hottest ticket in town. Like all of a sudden, their games were selling out. Um, so yeah, so my Fordham Rams are now all of a sudden like the talk of the town, which is weird. <laughs> Them and That's the Knicks. awesome. <laughs> There, there is no more like it's it's so fun when your college team makes the NCAA tournament. It's so fun. Um, I'm so jealous. Unexpected. I'm jealous of schools that get this every year. Like, no, UNC. they made it when I was in school. They made it because they Sean Dunstan's nephew was on the team when I went to college. Yeah. Brian Dunstan. And he was really good. So they ended up making the tournament. But then I think they immediately went out in the first round. But still, they made it. I mean, the highlight, literally the highlight, I, t- I I think I've even talked about this on the podcast before, so forgive me, but I will gush about this any chance that I get. The literal highlight of my college, my time at University of Delaware was that I went to Delaware the same years that Elena Deladon went to Delaware. Yeah. Um, and Elena Deladon is currently one of the best players in the WNBA. Um, and she led the, you know, Delaware is not, a basketball school historically at all um but Elena Teladon was on the team and she was literally unstoppable like (laughs) like it was like you know you know when you watch like a player who's just so much better than everybody else she's playing against she or he is playing against like it's just like a sight to behold like there was no one who could compete against her she was just so much better than everybody else and so that year Delaware just like on the virtue of having Elena Deladon on the team alone basically made the elite eight in the NCAA tournament and in the sweet 16 game they upset UNC um who were seated higher than them and it was like so fun and I was at that game in person um and it, it was like that was like some of the purest sports joy I have ever felt in my life like yeah it was like 2015 Mets level sports joy for me like it was so good and like Joe Biden was at that game at the time he was vice president um because <laughs> he went to University of Delaware um and he came down like after they won the game and they were celebrating on the court and everything, Joe Biden came down to the student section where we all were and high fived everyone. And so I oh, high fived wow. Joe Biden that day. <laughs> wow. So that was like pretty crazy. Um, but yeah, Elena Deladon and I, and like she now plays for the, for the home team, my home team mystics um, in DC. Uh, and I really want to get to a mystics game because after many injuries, Elena Deladon is finally back. And so I really want to get, to a mystics game so i can watch her play again as a professional because i've never get to, gotten to see her play as a professional i've only gotten Aww. to see her play as a college player didn't they win the championship a couple of years ago um no they they've never won i don't think they've ever won no no um they've won their conference a few times but they've never won no, I mean uh, the Mystics. Did they win? Oh, the Mystics. Yes, they they won the same year that uh, all the DC sports teams won. The like year oh. of the DC sports, the 2019 year, the same year the Nationals won the World Series yeah. and the Caps won the Stanley Cup. Yeah, yep, they also won. Uh, so that was part of the like. Yes, the Mystics did win the championship. So, although I should put this out here, the Flyers are really bad, so Phillies will the Philly team will not be in the Stanley Cup this year. Thank goodness. <laughs> so we're we're in the clear there. I'm we're just putting the that out there now. We're in the clear. <laughs> um. So 
while you are waiting for the actual baseball games that count to begin, you can go to amazingavenue.com. Um, we're still running all of our season previews, um, so you can check all of those out. Um, we're running like a couple of them a day now. I've started the King of Spring training contest a favorite annual tradition at Amazing Avenue. I've st- I made my first update. I'll be making weekly updates throughout the rest of spring training, and we will finally uh, crown a king of spring training. Um, so you can check all of that out. You can follow Amazing Avenue on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at Amazing Avenue. You can follow this show on Twitter and Instagram at A Pod of Their Own. You can follow each of us on Twitter. I am at Petite PhD. Where are you, Linda? At Linda Servage. So please follow us. Please follow the show. You can subscribe to the podcast wherever you get podcasts from. Please rate and review the show. It really helps people find it. The original intro and outro music to this podcast is by Bunga. Let's go Mets and don't forget there's no crying in